0: It's time for Drummer Nation. Rob Wallace is the President and CEO of Hudson Music and Drum Guru. He owned Drummer's Collective for over 30 years and was the executive producer on some of your favorite DCI music videotapes. He's worked with and is respected by some of the biggest drummers in the world and has produced literally several hundred books, videos and DVDs over the past 35 years. He cites the secret to his success as persistence and never taking no for an answer. Alright, I'm here with Rob Wallace of DCI, Hudson Music, Hudson Digital. We're going to talk about all your companies uh, bit by bit here, but it's an honor to have you on the show, Rob. Thank you.
1: Thank you, Michael. I appreciate the opportunity.
0: Well, I look at you as a real pioneer in this industry. I know you didn't set out to be. You were a man who was a drummer, who had some forward-thinking ideas, who saw the video production element there in its infancy and said, hey, man, that's a cool idea. I think I'm going to jump in.
1: Yeah, you know, what, what had happened was, um, my, my business partner, Paul Siegel and I had taken over Drummers Collective and, um, it was on 42nd street in Manhattan. I was 25 years old. Um, I knew nothing about owning a business. i had been playing drums. I worked retail, uh, after I got out of college, I worked at, uh, Sam Ash Music, both in Westchester, New York, and then down in Manhattan on 48th street. And, um started studying at the collective, and one day uh, heard from Paul that the owner, he was working in the office uh, to pay for his lessons, heard that the owner was thinking about leaving New York, and um, we had no money, so we dove in and figured out a way to pay him off over time for the instruments, and and there we were, you know, owning a business um, out of nowhere, and we saw that quickly that with the people that were coming in to teach, you know, Lenny White and Bernard Purdy, um, Kenwood Denard, you know, these, these fabulous players, John Schofield, we were thinking that, boy, if there was a way to capture what they were doing, we could build a library and our students could then, you know, watch the stuff. And we'd heard that a thing called the VCR was coming. Um, I didn't own one. Paul didn't own one. I, I didn't know anyone that owned one, but the idea sounded so incredible. A friend of mine had told me that he knew somebody that was in broadcasting and these mach- machines one day people would have them in their in their home, in their TV room, in their studio, whatever. And you'd be able to record off the television. You'd be able to play pre-recorded videotapes with audio and stereo and color. And... um We said, you know, it's just a natural. And we realized really quickly, probably two minutes after that conversation, that if if our own students wanted to watch it, well, what about somebody in St. Louis or Georgia or Italy or, uh, you know, California or Canada, whatever? So it was like, wow, you know, the light bulb went off and said, maybe there's a business here selling instructional videotapes. No one was really doing it at the time. Um, the Jane, I think the Jane Fonda exercise video was uh, uh, this massive thing. It was on, they, you know, there were ads for it on TV, and, and they were selling them by the truckload. And we said, "Yeah, why not do this? We're in, in a perfect position. We have all this talent, all these, you know, internationally known people coming in. Let's start filming some masterclasses and." go for it. And that's what we did. Um, we, we knew nothing about video production and we put one foot in front of the other, tripped a lot of times and started selling these videos. Um, we, we sold, we put an ad for, for the modern uh, in modern drummer. It was in the early days of modern drummer. Uh, they had started in 77 and in, in, in 80, we put an ad in for the Bernard Purdy video and for seventy nine ninety five, and lo and behold, you know, a couple of weeks after the, the magazine hit, we got a couple of checks in the mail. We said, wow, this is incredible. You know, I'm home sleeping and I come to the mailbox the next morning and there's money sitting there. I mean, what could be
0: better than well, that? Well, let's talk about that because you had some serious obstacles in the way in terms of the business model. I mean, cameras back then cost more than my whole studio today
1: absolutely
0: and um you had to do the physical thing right you had to produce this stuff and then you had to make vcr i mean videotapes cassettes and right. you had to inventory yep. them and purchase them ahead of time and stock them and you had to deliver them and they had shelf life and they had you know issues with damage and and magnetic problems and all, all kinds of stuff that's gone today right was it profitable these Regal Tip Session sticks feel great. They kind of put me in the mindset of a thinner and lighter 5A. Go to RegalTip.com, order a pair, or go to your nearest music store. Pick up a pair, let us know exactly how you feel about the stick. Our latest innovation has opened the door for all drummers to have the same access as top musicians in the world. Custom symbols, now available to everyone. Your next sound just got more interesting. Sabine Custom Shop. Memphis Drum Shop is the world's premier provider of percussion instruments. With six showrooms of gear, mysymbol.com, the Memphis Gong Chamber, and a first-rate repair department, turn to Memphis Drum Shop for all your percussion needs. Hi, this is Stanton Moore. I've been playing and teaching drums for over 30 years. My new site, Stanton Moore Drum Academy, is the perfect online drum learning platform for any level drummer to learn how to play the drums the same way I did. I'm looking forward to seeing a lot of you as subscribers on the site, and I think we're going to have a lot of fun. Um,
1: In the beginning, no. I mean, you know, I was fortunate that my wife had a, a good job and she could pay our... Uh, bills mostly, you know, once in a while, Paul and I would be able to take, you know, $50 or $100 out of the business. I mean, it was, you know, years before we really saw anything. You know, I was playing to supplement my income on, on weekends. Um, but it it wasn't, you know, we reached, we reached a point, a lot of businesses reach points where growth can sometimes, Um, kill the business because, you know, you get bigger means you need more space, means you need more computers, you need more telephones, you need more employees, you need more insurance policies. Um, And you've got to have the working capital to to be able to fund the growth. And for us, you know, we were always underfunded. You know, we never raised money from investors. Um, Paul and I didn't have, you know, the personal funds that That sometimes owners of a business do so they can, you know, they can cover those those tight periods in there. Um, But somehow we would manage to squeeze by. Um, We had certain vendors that were incredibly um, generous with allowing us to owe them large sums of money over long periods of time. And I don't know why they did it, but they believed in Paul and I and trusted us. So, for instance, you know, printers or or video duplicators. You know, you know, as the catalog grew, you, you know, our, our, we had a you know a, a huge room, you know, room with shelves full of inventory, and and all that inventory costs money, and we we just were able to find people that really worked with us. I'm still using the same printer now that we used for our, our original printing of video sleeves in, you know, in 1981, um, it's, and they're a family run business. Um, they've are, you know, been incredible to us over the years and somehow we've been, you know, I've always been blessed in my business life to, to find certain angels that really were there at, at, at real times of need, you know, whether it was a distributor in in Europe, Warner Brothers at the time, they would give us these large advances um, when we needed it on a phone call and said, look, we're going to be coming out with a couple of products. But in the meantime, you know, we need some money to, to get there um, in Japan. You know, we were with uh, Yamaha Exporting Company in US, and there was a gentleman named Jim Fanata, who was an incredible angel to our business also. Um, would essentially loan us money interest-free. Um, we always delivered for him, and you know he, he was always got product eventually. But he would prepay, so that we had funds to be able to produce something. And you know you don't find that all the time. And I don't know that it would be something you could find now. I think things have gotten so much more corporate and you know spreadsheet-oriented. Mm-hmm. I mean. These were all things that were done. Handshake on handshakes, deals.
0: yeah, that's what I thought.
1: Handshakes. Based on integrity. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: Well, that's terrific. Now you mentioned yeah. you delivered, and you certainly did. You had some pivotal products that sort of grew the brand tremendously. I would. What? What? You tell me which ones you think they were.
1: Well, you know, the the first one um, was the Steve Gad video. Um, you know, we had put out a couple of titles um, with some you know monster players, but Steve was such a um, a mystery man so to speak you know he was recording at the time around the clock he would do some live gigs in New York he'd show up to some club gigs um, on occasion but he was in such demand that he he rarely literally got out he of he was the invisible i mean, yeah. I've, he so people you know wanted to see what he, he how he sat, how he held the sticks, you know, he changed the way drums were tuned, he changed the way drums were miked, he changed the way drums sounded on recordings.
0: Drummers seeking a quick and easy way to muffle bass drums on the fly, look no further. Muffbone offers an effective way to instantly dial in your sound in just a few seconds while seated at the kick. Find out more at muffbone.com.
1: Introducing the Star Festival snare drum from Gary Astrich a handcrafted and precision replica of the rarest and most iconic of drums, Ringo Starr's 1963 Ludwig Jazz Festival. Each instrument is authorized and hand signed by Ringo Starr and will benefit his charity, the Lotus Foundation. Literally, to me at least, he he, he had such an impact on the sound of records, of pop records, you know, drums, would often get kind of buried in the mix or in that, like if in the rock and roll days of like the Phil Spector records, you know, there'd be that wall of sound. And you weren't really quite sure what the drummer was playing, what, you know, three tambourine players might've been playing, Mm -hmm. you know, what was on the hi-hat versus the tambourine. And, and Steve, I think really brought drum drum, the drum sound and the drum parts more forward in a lot of records that he was on. And, um, I mean, obviously, Songs like you know 50 Ways to Leave Your Lover" or you know the classics mm-hmm. that everyone talks about with you know the the the, the you know Gad genius, but it lends um, itself to video so it's very changed. much.
0: I mean, you could actually see how yes. he did it.
1: See how he did it. See, you know, to me, you learn a lot seeing somebody behind the kit. You know, are they sitting up high? Are they kind of playing over the kit? Are they you know in Steve's case, he sat so low. And, um, I remember sitting on his kit when we were doing that first video and it, it felt so comfortable. His drums just felt comfortable to me and a very different setup than I had had up to that point so um you you do learn a lot by seeing it and so you know to come back and answer your question, when that video came out, the first Steve Gad you know it became international um suddenly there were people in in Europe that were you know phoning or, or sending a letter, how do I get a hold of this thing? You know, there were distributors, you know, in different parts of the world that wanted to sell it because there was demand. Um, you know, when there's a demand, people figure out how to get something to the consumer. Mm-hmm. So um, Steve really drove a lot of that early demand. Um, the the next one well, then we did a second one with Steve. You know, the one where I ended up holding the tape box and he played brushes on the on the tape box, which was totally spontaneous. But the the second the, the second Gad video, um you know, hit hit hard, and that was more playing. We had two different rhythm sections for that, and you know, there's some brilliant brilliant music on that. Um, the the video that we did in in '85 with Jaco Pastorius was another you know real landmark sort of groundbreaking you know whatever you want to call it um, especially given you know what happened in, you know in Jaco's life and you know two and a half years later you know he was killed uh, so. It, it's one of the main documents, uh, really of his playing. And he was one of the guys that no, you know, like a no doubter, he changed the instrument, you know? So we were very fortunate. And, you know, I, I say that as a, f- a fan of music, uh, we were very fortunate to be able to capture him, um, you know, while he was still, you know, really playing great. And, um, you know, we were we able to, to record it really for, for, for history. Now, the
0: next one I think of would be the Buddy stuff. Yeah. Tell yeah. us about that, the, how that um, came about. And that was a giant project.
1: That was a big one. The um, I guess you're referring to the Buddy Rich show in L.A. in 1989. I think it was 89. Um, that uh, featured six drummers playing with Buddy's band. Right. It was, uh, you know, quite a lineup. It was, you know, Steve Gadd, Vinnie Cagliuta, uh, Dave Weckl as sort of those three playing first individual songs and then the three of them playing together. And the other half of the show was Greg Bissonnette, Louis Belson and a new drummer, which is hard to even fathom, but the new drummer on the block, was Dennis Chambers. And, um, That was one of the first, if not the first, but certainly early on for Dennis's visibility, um, you know, really gave people uh, one of their first looks at Dennis and, and, you know, what a monster player um, he was and is and has been. Um, So that, yeah, that project, and that was a big one. We filmed it in L.A. Um, We had, you know, a, a big band that we had to, you know, produce uh so the you know the, the the technical part of it was was really big for us we weren't used to producing you know tv quality like grammy type you know tv shows so you know we had the video we had the audio we, we had you know big audio because of the size of the band all the drum sets needed to be mic'd in advance so you have you know three kids were on stage at a time i mean i forget what the you know the number of microphones you know mics in the audience i mean it it was a lot, yeah. It was well, let's a lot. talk about so, this.
0: Those those were some of the projects that really helped launch your brand. They really helped launch the drummer brand as well. I mean, those guys all benefited from that kind of exposure, don't you think?
1: Yes, um, I do. I mean, you know, things kind of fuel each other, you know, when when and, and what I mean by that is if if we happen to find a drummer who's on the verge of greatness um, and it's early on, you know, that exposure, I think, helps accelerate it. Um, you know, I know the the first time we worked with Dave Weckel, for instance, in the mid-'80s, we did an audio play-along project called the Contemporary Drummer Plus mm-hmm. One. And Dave was not a household name at that point. Um, this was not video. This was audio. Uh, it was a... a box we we designed this form fitting box that had actual charts like the you know the tan colored you know cardboardy kind of paper charts and and uh, an, uh, an audio cassette and in its first uh you know iteration I, I had that and I had
0: that book yeah oh yeah, oh, yeah.
1: did you Oh, thanks, man. You know, so we put this thing out. We spent a fortune like designing that plastic case. Yeah, everyone said we were out of our mm-hmm. minds. You know, it, it's not going to work. It's never been done in, in in drum books before. No no one ever sold enough to, to justify it. We said, well, we're going to do this thing. And we kind of wholeheartedly jumped in and they started to sell. We couldn't make them fast enough. There was a period of time. And. You know, everyone got to hear Dave play these charts. You know, I remember sending one to Steve Smith and, and you know, a week or two later, he calls up. He said, you got to be kidding me. I can't play this <laughs> stuff. Like, what's well, actually he's out of his <laughs> mind, you know? So, you know, it it coming back to your question, you know, it definitely um, can help uh, guys move along in their career. Mm-hmm. You know, now we have obviously YouTube and we have, quote, the, you know, the YouTube, you know, drum yeah, I
0: want to get to that in a minute, but but let's do uh, okay. pretty soon there. You realized that the industry was changing. You went, uh, I've got some notes here, 98, the DVD format, 2007 mm-hmm. Hudson limited with independent producers of DVDs, but then Hudson digital in 2009, which was a download format. Mm-hmm. Talk about mm-hmm. that transition to seeing we're not going to sell video cassettes for too much longer. This is all going another direction.
1: Well, you know, and it's all for good reason and good cause. Um, you know, it's something that, one, you can't fight because the con- the consumer decides how they want to absorb the content. Right. Um, and, you know, I've been doing this long enough to see many different forms of that. But each form... The delivery system got better and that, and that's why it existed, you know, the, a VHS tape to, to scroll through and find an exercise on a 90 minute tape could take you 10, 15 minutes literally of jogging back and forth and finding the, the, the spot you want. So a DVD comes along, boom, you put it in, you have your menu, you want exercise 41, you know, you click the number, it takes you right there and you're there in, in seconds. So. That's a beautiful thing because it just makes the 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 whole use of the product that much easier.
0: But you still have physical Fast product there, right? You still you're still printing still DVDs physical. and stocking them and shipping them and all that stuff.
1: Yep, and I mean we're still doing some uh, DVD still because there are certain titles that just maybe they appeal to an older audience and mm. they they want that DVD still um but then with the advent of digital you know everyone talks about you know well wow, it 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 it's killed the music business and and spotify you know you know songwriters make pennies you know in, in the scheme of things and yeah it's true it's it's all true it's greatly changed the record business um and i think you know it's it's made it harder for artists to to earn a living, you know, it, it, now it depends on touring where in the old days it used to, the tour would promote the record so that you would sell lots of records. Now the record promotes the tour so that you can make money. And that's why ticket prices have gone, you know, I mean, I started going to, they were five, $10 for shows. And now, you you know, you're a hundred, 200, you know, it's not out of the question or higher God, you know, for, for certain shows, because that's where, you know, the artist has to survive from, um, but digital is is a great format because, one, you don't need to have a, a shelf full of things. Two, if you travel, you take your laptop, you take your iPad, and it's all right there. You can access everything that you bought. Um, it's no fuss, no muss, hopefully. Uh, Technology is working the way it's supposed to. But I I actually feel... For the books that that we're doing through Hudson Digital, it's it's the best format that there's ever been. And it, it's better than physical because a lot of our books have audio or video or both. And when you're on a page, you just tap the icon. The box pops up. Let's say it's the Groove Essentials play along, you know, a track that you're working on, you know, a Latin tune. So you're reading Tommy Igo's text. You're you're seeing a, 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 the simple transcription, and you're ready to give it a shot. You want to play? You tap the icon, the box pops up. You hit play, and 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 you and you go. You put your headphones on, and you're and within seconds. You're not only looking at the chart, but you're hearing the music, and then you just tap it. It, it minimizes, and you go on to the next thing. And it's such a user-friendly uh, system that I think uh, and, and, you know, we're starting to see a real adaptation. I mean, in the beginning it was really slow going, um, especially, you know, some of the older teachers, what, what do you mean digital? What do you mean? I, I need an iPad, you know, to teach with no, I, you know, I work with Ted Reed and stick control and, and, you know, that's it, you know, the stone books. But I think by, you know, student demand and, and, you know, even, Teachers are seeing the the benefits of digital um that's not to say that physical books are gonna go away anytime soon, and there'll probably always be certain books that'll be mm-hmm. available um physically and I think there is a you know there's certain benefits to a physical book in terms of writing notes and and maybe having somebody to look at you know something to look mm-hmm. at but I just think that the digital format Well, I wanted great. to
0: chime in. I got your app and, and downloaded a couple of books and worked through them that way. And it's really, to me, it's the best way. Especially a lot of teachers are working on electronic drum sets, and you can record okay. yourself. You re- it's all kinds of things. Just Just the multimedia aspects of it alone where, hmm, I'd like to see that guy do this. I don't have to go get the video cassette I bought a long time ago and find if the damn thing works and spend right. 30 minutes looking for it. Just pop it up, and there it is. Audio, yeah. video, yeah. multimedia, the whole thing. I know Erskine a few years ago was doing releases. This is one of them here, I think. Uh, I don't know if the camera picked that up. But he would put a CD out, and it would come with the CD and also an app that you could, uh, you know, like Music Minus One used to be.
1: Oh, it's great. Peter's app is fantastic. We actually licensed um, one of our books for the for Peter's app, it's the um, David Garibaldi book we did with, with which is called Code of mm. Funk, and that, really early on, it came with a, a CD-ROM where you could actually open up a little mixer, a six-channel right. mixer, and you could mix the um, the background track. You could pull out drums, you could pull out bass, you could pull out the horn section, and you know really get inside each of the tunes. Mm. From an entire
0: tower power. Yeah, record. that's the other thing. You could, it wasn't and just for drummers, right? You, the bass player, could yeah. pull on the track and and play along. Absolutely. Now this is probably obsolete. Now he's probably streaming. This is one of those cards, yeah. you know, like a, a, a right. USB card. Yeah. So um, let's talk about. I love what you're doing there, the streaming thing. Uh, 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 well, it's not really streaming. It's it's a uh, an app, but you also have Drum Guru, right? right uh right. and and I, that, I got hip to that some years ago when you first came out with it to me that was very cool because it was like a micro lesson it was what just yep. what we we're talking about only it wasn't a 40 dollars 30 that was three bucks and here's like a right. few things by this guy and you could right. just spot and check them out is it, it, that's still available right
1: it's still available you know um I, I I wanted to be you know cool with my kids, so I I figured if if I had an app an app that was available in the app store, they they could say yeah that's pretty <laughs> cool there pops you know. <laughs> so, so, but um, I just felt you know and, and this is I think it's probably about four or five years ago that we started it. You know the whole app world was exploding, and it all it it made sense for the same reasons that that digital made sense. You could access this thing on your phone. So, you know, if you're on a on a train or a plane, uh, as long as you had, you know, Wi-Fi service, you know, you, you you go in, you pay $3.99 or $4.99 for a lesson. And here you have, you know, a, an incredible roster of guys, Gad Erskine, you know, Garibaldi, Chad Smith, um, all these guys with a lesson pack. And, you know, each lesson pack has these different uh, exercises of of some form of what they're they're explaining. And, um, you know, you're right there on your phone. You put on headphones. You can, you know, there's there's play along tracks with some of them, Mm -hmm. um, but all of them have a a, a cohesive, uh, you know, concept of of for that lesson pack. And, yeah, it was a cool thing. You know what we did was um we also first in the beginning it was just available on uh on through the apple app store and then we added android um android was was problematic for us because there were so many different operating systems in running android that we eventually had to close it down it was just like a constant um thing it is constant work to keep up with it and it's really expensive mm-hmm. Th- that was you know became a real labor of love but uh then it, it evolved to we had our own website so it's you know drum guru and dot where you can go and download the lessons with any uh device so we didn't need that android store so if you you know if you have mm-hmm. an android device or, or oh, right. a, a, a pad of some type um, you could just go to the, to our own website and get the lesson pack. So it all made sense. It
0: really does. So many questions come to mind with what you're talking about. Um, first of all, what a long way that is from renting a camera and putting on a VCR tape, you know, and, and and just unbelievable progress. Great on you for seeing that. Can you protect these things now that they're out in the digital universe?
1: The app. I mean, I think you know once something's on a screen. Obviously, there's ways of screen grabbing, you know, anything. Um, And, you know, at a certain point, you have to and and believe me, I had sleepless nights thinking about it. And, you know, here we're spending, you know, a fortune to produce something. And, you know, Somebody God knows where could could rip it off put it up on on these you know pirate sites And and there's nothing you can really do about it. We're too small to fight them. We're too small to hire lawyers and You know go after somebody if they're in you know, and on the other side of the I don't even want to name a country, but uh, You know on the other side of the world. I mean, what are we really gonna do? So I always I mean it It, it was hard Back in the older days um, when you'd hear about all this pirate, and, and it's still going on, um, and it's, it's greatly affected our business. It's affected artist royalties and what they earned. But at a certain point, you either put your head in the sand and and you remain frozen and you're kind of paralyzed, mm-hmm. I want to call it, you know, or you just focus on what you can control – uh, and work harder you know it 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 took harder work to to make the business work and to make the numbers work you know what we were really lucky uh for was in the early days cameras we would use these Ikigami cameras and and a you know a $60,000 camera and a, a $50,000 lens. So we would rent, you know, a hundred thousand dollar camera rig. We we'd need a few of them for a shoot. We obviously couldn't afford to buy them. So, you know, you rent them and they're, you know, $1,500 a day, let's say back in the day. And you have three or four of them and you have then you need operators and they get their daily rate. And, you know, then you need a lighting guy. And, you know, we, we used to have these huge crews and these kind of crazy budgets. Um, and we always tried to over deliver in terms of quality. Um, and we'd always spend more than we should have and more than we could afford. But that was just, you know, kind of a, a belief that, that Paul and I always had in the early days. Um, you know it's changed a lot like you said earlier you know now you have these cameras you know these slr cameras and and for $1000 you're you you know you're you're in your house making beautiful look what behind you what that looks like that you're set with the lighting drum set mic you know a couple cameras this
0: is like 2000 bucks behind me you know that's it yeah it's it's nothing um
1: that was our like meal bill for a one or two day right. shoot that's what we spent on catering for the crew <laughs> well so, it's just me know, here just there's, there's no catering
0: in. uh i'll get a sandwich uh, when it's over but what i wanted to say is even though saying? those prices have come way down those costs you still have other costs to deal with right i mean it's still kind of a pricey oh, yeah. proposition to put out apps and the, to to develop these formats and to host and deliver and, and, yes. and yes and it's not easy to do all that you're not just putting it up on youtube for free
1: Right. Right. I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's, 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 you know, what they, you know, BB King, we do this project for BB King. And uh, he told me once we were talking about some business things, and he actually had a song, it's called paying the cost to be the boss. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, I mean, it's, it's business. And, and, you know, we have employees, I've had uh, kind of the same core of guys working for me on the website and digital stuff and the creative side of things. Um, fabulous guys that we have, you know, a, a great, great team. And, and they make, they really make it all possible. I just try to steer the ship in the right direction and and leave them well, room to do They're doing thing. more than that.
0: But that brings me to uh, something else. The, um, I mean, you've been such an innovator and such a creator and such a visionary to move this stuff from where it started with you to where it is now with you and moving forward. We're also looking at a lot of young players coming up. And the the, the entrepreneurs I see in this industry all have in common what you and I have. We started as drummers. I'm not equating my contribution to yours in any way, other than that we started as drummers. Um, And we still play. But uh, if you're a young drummer now and the schools are making thousands of them that are very good drummers, um, they're going to have to rely on some other skills to get by in the future, don't you think?
1: Absolutely. Um, and it's something that you know it, it it's something that I've thought about, been asked about, talked about. You know, for, actually for many years. This isn't really a new phenomenon. You know, especially with the decline, if you want to call it that, of the music business. Um, and, you know, the way records are made, the number of musicians that are employed these days, the, the, the touring, you know, I mean, it's it's, you know, the, the live gig situation, you know, it, it it's vastly different than it was, you know, back in the, you know, the heyday of rock and roll, which even it was before my time. But um, I think that any musician, um, whatever instrument you play, you know, you, you need to be able to um do a lot of things to make a living and you got to piece together work and by work it it could be you know gigs teaching having a youtube channel where people are willing to you know watch so that you can put some ads up and get some ad revenue um or teaching online you know teaching at the the local music store um I know, you know, guys around the the world that have built small, you know, drum studios where they teach, they maybe have one or two rooms or three rooms, they may have a second Mm -hmm. teacher come in, you know, you have to, you have to try all these things and you have to be great at, at your instrument and you need to be able to read so that you don't have to ever turn down a gig because most gigs these days don't have a lot of rehearsal time. They don't have the budgets for it. So, you know, often, you know, you may be asked to, to to do a gig where you rehearse that afternoon. You're playing six tunes with somebody at a show that night. You rehearse in the afternoon. Here's the tunes. Boom, boom, boom. They send you a CD or, or the files and you listen to them, make your notes. And yeah, it's quick. You know, you you do the gig that night and you're on your way, you know, home and that's it. And if you do that really well, you get called again. And, and that's that's how that can grow and I've seen, you know, guys do that um, at the do it really well and, and, and can read, you know, anything and play any style of music. You know, I always felt as a drummer, I never wanted to say no to a work opportunity because one, I like a lot of different types of music. So I enjoyed playing it. But two, on the pure dolls and sense side, you know, you don't want to say no to work. You know, it, it's like a doctor Uh, You know, you're you're a doctor and and, hey, Doc, you know, I I feel like I I got, you know, the flu. Oh, well, don't come in. I don't treat the flu. I only treat, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, headaches. You know, it's you know, you Mm -hmm. you can't do that. So you got to be able to 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 field any kind of gig. But you've got to have these other uh, forms of employment unless you're one of the very, very few lucky ones that get into a band that have a sustained career that, you know, you can make a living from. Um, but, you know, you think about, you know, how many drummers are out there and how many guys are doing that, how many Chad Smiths are in the world that have been with, you know, one band for, you know, I don't know, 30 years, you know, whatever Chad's thing is now, you know, it's, it you know, it, it's, it's few and far between. So you've got to be able to piece together, you know, a lot of different, you know, parts to, uh, well, to you make a living. Have.
0: What What do you have uh, coming up in the future that you can tell me about without having to kill me?
1: <laughs> Nothing. No, I know that's um, not true. Actually, if you don't mind, this if, if the camera. Yes, this, um, this is a, a this is a new book that's coming out. Um, it's actually being released next week, and it's our first. It's it's a autobiography has nothing to do with music notes. There's no, you know, there's not a, a music note in the book, which is a first, it's hardcover. Um, and it's with a, a, a drummer who's had one of the most interesting lives I've ever come across. And, and just when I heard about him and saw the manuscript that he sent, I said, we don't know anything about publishing a hardcover book or an autobiography, but man, you know, your life is so incredible that somebody's got to tell the story. And and, and, and and if you're okay with it, I would be honored if it were Hudson music, you know? So the drummer's name is Bobby Morris. And in a nutshell, his life, he, he was born in Poland. He came to New York city in his uh, early teens. He uh, shined shoes on the streets of New York, you know, back in the, in the late thirties, he started, Getting into drums, he saved pennies and nickels and bought a drum and saved more pennies and nickels and started studying with a teacher in New York named Henry Adler, who was a legendary teacher. Uh, By total coincidence, he tells me when we were first talking about this, that uh, the student that studied with Henry right before him was Freddie Gruber, who was a dear friend of mine. Um, I couldn't believe that, but... Uh, Bobby started playing as he got into his teen mid teens playing around New York playing in the clubs a little bit playing up in the Catskills and somebody told him that there were gonna there was gonna be a need for musicians out in the desert out west so in his late teens he heads out to Vegas and there were two motels not even hotels but like two-story motels and he got a, a gig in a lounge out there. He decided he's going to stay. And uh, one thing led to another. Hotel started coming up. He started playing more and more. He got into uh, Louis Prima's band. Bobby is a hell of a shuffle player. He he can he he developed these really intricate, really fast shuffles that are really a bear to play. Mm-hmm. Um, he had great chops and. He was a great reader from his studying with Henry. He also learned how to play mallets. So then people started asking him to uh, bring a band in. And, you know, he could, he could only be in one place at a time. So he would say, OK, well, I can cover you, but I won't be there, but I can bring a, a real good band in for, you know, what you need. So he started booking bands. He started a booking agency called the Morris Agency at one point in the, in the, You know, in its heyday, he had 75 acts. He was on every billboard in Las Vegas with his acts. He's still playing, but he's got agents booking for him. Then he became a music director um, almost by chance. You know, he was at at, at the lounge in, in one of the big hotels. Benny Goodman was supposed to be the musical director. And two weeks before he was supposed to start, he called up the hotel and said, listen, my career's taken off. I can't really commit to being in Vegas that many days. I'm sorry, I, I've, I've got to quit before I even start. They panicked. They went to Bobby and said, "Hey, can you be the music our musical director? We have no one. We don't know who to turn to." And Bobby said, "Sure, you know, I can I can put a band together and 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 conduct a band." So his first gig as a musical director was Elvis Presley in 1969. Wow. So I mean. The, the, it goes on and on. He met presidents. He was sitting at a bar one night talking to a guy. It went on for uh, you know a couple of times. He kept seeing this guy, and the guy said, "Oh yeah, my name's Ronnie. I'm I'm an actor from Hollywood. You know, my my last name's Reagan. You know, it's Ronald <laughs> yeah. Reagan. You know, he played he played John. He became friendly with Kennedy. He played John Kennedy's inauguration. He he, he the the people that he crossed paths with. It's you know amazing." It's kind of a story, really, of, of American history from the you know 50s, 60s, and 70s and 80s. What a,
0: what a fascinating so anyway, story!
1: We, amazing story, and it, it just touched mm-hmm. me. So um, Bobby in, entrusted me to uh, do a good job with his life story, which is a big. I took as a serious mm-hmm. responsibility, and um, that's a you know an advanced copy of the book. It's going to be released. Next week, it's on Amazon and through HudsonMusic.com. And um, it's an incredibly inspiring life story of somebody who came to this country literally with nothing and built up an amazing life and career, you know, incredibly successful, you know, both professionally and financially. Uh, so you know, well, shows it brings it can us full be done.
0: circle to another guy who did it which was you, started with next to nothing and some good ideas and and uh perseverance and integrity and and vision and um kind of full circle that you're going back to a, a print biography, uh-huh. autobiography, uh after the, the journey through everywhere you've been. Man, you're a hero of mine and, and a real pioneer, and I mean that sincerely. Thank you. I can't thank well, you enough thank for you, doing Michael. my show
1: uh it's it's a pleasure i've been wanting to uh to connect with you and i followed your career and you know with the things you've been working on so uh hats off um much respect and i think what you do for the the drumming world especially is uh, real really valuable and and really important and keep going with it cuz you're doing a great job i mean that Like you said, you know, you find your reasons for getting up out of bed in the morning, and you found yours, and it's a great calling. So keep going with it.
0: Thank you. I'm honored by that comment.
1: Sure. Thank
0: you. Thank you. Talk to you soon.